You said they were extinct. How come they're still alive? One minute they're the greatest threat in the universe, the next minute they vanished out of time and space. They went off to fight a bigger war. A time war. I thought that was just a legend. I was there. The war between the Daleks and the Time Lords, with the whole of creation at stake. My people were destroyed, but they took the Daleks with them. I almost thought it was worth it. Now it turns out they died for nothing. There's thousands of them now. We could hardly stop one. What are we gonna do? No good stood round here chin-wagging. Human race, you'd gossip all day. Daleks have got the answers. Let's go and meet the neighbours. You can't go out there! Is that it? Useless. Null point. It's all right, come on out. That force field can hold back anything. Almost anything. Yes, but I wasn't going to tell him that, thanks. Sorry. Do you know what they call me in the ancient legends of the Dalek homeworld? The oncoming storm. You might have removed all your emotions, but I reckon right down deep in your DNA there's one little spark left. And that's fear. Doesn't it just burn when you face me? So tell me, how did you survive the time war? They survived through me. Live from the Nerva Beacon, this is Doctor Who Podshot. is Doctor Who Podshock episode 43 for the week of June the 5th, 2006. My name is Ken Deep alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. I, 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 you know, I had to pause there for a minute when you said June. I'm like, what is he saying June for? Yes, we are in June. <laughs> that like, would be Louis Trapani. And across the pond, <laughs> Mr. James Norton. Hello. And uh, James has just finished watching The Impossible Planet as we are recording on a Saturday this week. Mm. And uh, literally just come off the broadcast. And, and James, your just quick first impression. Um, it scared the pants off me. <laughs> so James is actually recording without any pants on now. It won't be the first time. <laughs> I believe, Lewis, you're casting aspersions against my good character. Hey, one can fantasize, can't one. <laughs> All of our listeners now have just dropped off. That's it. That'll stop. That or perked up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's jump right into the Doctor Who newsroom before we totally lose the audience, as I've been taken to task for my diversions. 
So uh, in the Doctor Who newsroom, probably the, the prime news story of the week, and, and unfortunately to start the show on a sad note, uh, Lewis. <laughs> oh, I'm the sad note? No, I know. <laughs> Just the way you said that. Unfortunately, start the news on a sad note, uh, Lewis. <laughs> okay, yes, I'm the sad note. <laughs> Former producer of Doctor Who... Peter Bryant, unfortunately, has passed away. Um, this is being reported uh, from the BBC UK, um, bbc.co.uk. The Doctor Who website, the official site, is reporting it, um, that he had passed away. I believe it was May um, May 19th. Or, yes, yes, Friday, yeah. May 19th. After I'm, glad long... they, I'm glad they didn't wait long to tell everybody. Well. Here we yeah. are, in, you know, three weeks later, and the, and the news is being released. Uh it's it's very sad um, for me in particular being a, a fan of the black and white era. You know, yes. As Lewis and I and, and mm -hmm. James have talked about in the past, it just seems that we're we're losing way too many people from from the golden era of Doctor Who, and, and it's just very it's just it's just sad. Yeah, he's he was um in the sixties he uh he went from radio to television and became associate producer of Doctor Who uh during the Faceless Ones and the Evil of the Daleks. Um and then uh a script slash story editor for um for the Evil of the Daleks, the Ice Warriors and uh the Enemy of the World. And then he became um I believe the producer during um Tomb of the Cybermen and um continued on until the Space Pirates. Yeah, producing some some classic Doctor Who, including the invasion and, and episodes like that. I mean, that the invasion was the the starting point for the whole John Pertwee era. You know, the the testing ground to see if that would work, and that was under his watch. So definitely an a, an underrated force in in Doctor Who history. You know, generally we think of legendary Doctor Who producers. You know, it was just, other names that popped mm -hmm. to mind first, but here's a man well, who definitely had. He, he didn't do too. He wasn't that visible on the like in the interview circuit. I mean, as opposed to some of the other producers of, of the you know throughout the history of Doctor Who. Am I wrong with that? Or no, um, you're absolutely right. It, someone I can't I can't think of a convention he attended, um, unless he you know was in some of the ones. In well, not UK. only not not only in uh, through conventions, but like in documentaries and interviews. Yeah, and whatnot. yeah. I can't think of like a Blue yeah. Peter interview or something with him. You know, even but, to be honest with you, I can't even think of a, a Doctor Who magazine interview with him. You know, just from the top of my head, where he made the cover, or there was you know something that mm -hmm. I don't know whether he just mm -hmm. sort of moved on and and never really looked back or. Well, he certainly had a very um, diverse career because, I mean, before he, I mean, I think he started out as an actor and then he mm -hmm. became um, an yes. announcer for, for uh, BBC Radio and he's done, he's done all sorts of things. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he just, you know. Uh, just was too busy. <laughs> yeah, or, or or didn't want to look back, as you say, you know. But uh, certainly yeah. you, were, you were quite right by saying that it was... Uh, a golden age for Doctor Who. Um, not that we're not in one now, because obviously we're seeing a huge revival, but um, it's classic stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, according to the article, after leaving Doctor Who, he moved on to produce um, several other TV programs, including uh, Paul Temple and the Special Project Air, 
and uh, then he became a um, an agent for actors and writers. Mm. So he's uh, survived by his wife, uh, two grandchildren, and um, I believe he was 82 when he um, at the time of his passing. Mm-hmm. Ron Ronald Lacey was like that as well. Um, the the veteran character actor, British uh, character actor. Although I don't think he ever appeared in Doctor Who. I know he was in Blake Seven and. Um, most famously in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was uh, an actor who was more known for being an agent. And I guess work came along where they needed someone of his, you know, perhaps his look or whatever he brought to the table and would, you know, would take a part that way. But most of the time was known mm-hmm. as an agent. And it's interesting that, you know, that Mr. Bryant was a similar, you know, had a similar background where not only did he work on the production side, but he worked on the, on um, the side of you know helping actors find work, you know, it's just it's sad. I, I, as Lewis has said in the past um, to some of the folks who worked in the, in the classic era, please stop dying on us. You know what it makes me think of right now. I mean, just off the top of my head, is just for those of us who have a chance to meet, and especially James and and, and the rest of you over in the UK, um, if you have a chance to meet anybody from the start of the show, the, the early days of the show. Take take yourself, avail yourself of the opportunity. Uh, you know, if, if William Russell is around, and you know, uh, I I know as an example, and uh, she's still a very young woman, but Verity Lambert. I'm so yes, happy I'd she's on the circuit and yeah. does conventions and stuff because she's a gem. She really is. She's a treasure, and 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 a, and, and for my mind, a historic figure, I mean, the first woman producer in television mm. history and things like this mm. and the start and, you know the first producer of Doctor Who I mean double the history there mm. you know mm. yeah she's been in some of the recent DVDs um the 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 the, the beginning set she was yeah um, who wouldn't want to meet her I mean I'm, I know mm. she did the cruise in Florida I just Verity come to New York <laughs> <laughs> she is a lovely lady have to be said so uh, she does look very good for her age, and uh, not that she's old, mind you, but no, um, quite the opposite. She's, she's very young. You know, she's very young. She's lovely, soft-spoken, uh, an an absolute true lady. And uh, you know, I was I rewatched the Web Planet um, a few weeks ago, and uh, she's on the the uh, commentaries and and the, the extras there. So that was it's always a pleasure to. Uh, to see her speaking about Doctor Who with such passion and so on. So I, if I ever get the chance to meet her, I'm going to jump at the opportunity to do so because she seems like a, a lovely, lovely But lady. I know that, you know, as an example, um, William Russell is still active in the UK as to making appearances and he, he um, does some of the narration on the audios and things. And, and I know for, I know, I'm pretty sure he's, not a young man. I mean, he's got to be at least in his late seventies, early eighties, and to see him so active and still out there, but it's wonderful. But like I said, if you get a chance to meet him, do so because there's a good chance he won't come to the United States. I, I wish he would. Well, then welcome to stay at my place if he wants. <laughs> we'll 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 find a spot for him. Hmm. Definitely. And uh... but. I, I just want, I hope everybody appreciates, you know, if you have a chance to meet, you know, some folks from, from the black and white era. Or, or even, and not even that, you know, for that matter, from the 60s or 70s. Take yourself up on it. 
Groovy. So, shall we move on to our, our next news yes, story? Yes, the next news story. Sorry, I'm, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, the... I'm feeling a bit sad now. Yeah, well, you can't help but feel sad, obviously, when anybody dies. And uh... yeah, it's a, anyway. it's a it's a downer. And speaking of um, downer from the land down under, Australia, our um, our listeners in Australia insane. will be pleased to and delighted to uh, hear, if they don't know about it already, that uh, starting on uh, Saturday, the eighth of July, at seven thirty p.m. on ABC. They'll be uh, presumably starting with the Christmas Invasion and going forward with Series 2 or the 2006 series of Doctor Who with David Tennant. So um, our uh, good friends, our good Aussie friends, will um, be delighted to uh, be watching the new series. And uh, people have been... Uh, I Also, Taras, thank you for reporting this on our forums. And um, it's, it's also reported on our Outpost Gallifrey. And um, and I think we've gotten some feedback as well sent to us via email from our friends um, from, like I said, the land down under. And well, we do appreciate it. If you're down in Australia, this is the time to, to continue to spread the word and get the message out there. You know, we've, we've already had the show air, first season air. Um, take take this, this chance to, to build on that, to spread the word even further to some of the new people um, that have been turned onto the show. Turn more people onto it, and let's you know make this build make this a, something to build on. You know the new Doctor David Tennant's wonderful, and you guys, are, if you haven't seen him already, you're really going to enjoy him. And I'm and I'm a little bit jealous that you're getting him so quick. <laughs> um, well, and 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 that leads me into you know the Sci-Fi Channel. It will be wrapping up um, the first season, uh, the series one with uh, Chris Eccleston, and. This is my appeal to Podshock listeners and Doctor Who fans uh, all around the United States. Uh, this is the time to email, write, phone call, sci-fi channel, and let them know, uh, especially when we get to the end of Parting of the Ways, oh, when are we going to see the rest of Doctor Who? Uh, this is our chance to make our voices heard. And there's been a lot of talk lately, both in the States and the UK, about the the ratings. And... The only way that we're going to be able to survive and keep this thing moving is by, by being very vocal about what we want and what we're, what we, you know, that we're here and we're not going to be ignored. We're not, this, there are millions of Doctor Who fans worldwide, and if we just speak up, everybody will know that we're there. And it's time to tell the people over at the Sci-Fi Channel, we want Series 2. Yeah, and stop, um, because... Uh... There's a whole thing going on in the forums at the moment, and I know some people have had a moan at me um, in the comments section over at our website that I've been having a rant about the BBC and, and the Sci-Fi Channel uh, now and again, um, but I feel it's time, I think we should go into rant mode once again, and I don't care to be honest, because <laughs> I think this is important, because really, I mean... I have not experienced this because, obviously, uh, I'm, I don't live in America and, and don't watch the Sci-Fi Channel. But the absolute despicable nature with this whole trailer business, um, with uh, the uh, halfway through, well, what, what was it, guys? It was like in the first um, the first ten minutes. Sci-Fi Channel showed the preview to next week's episode. Well, uh, and therefore, well, we should, you know, this was during parting. Uh, no, uh, during um, Bad Wolf. Bad Wolf. And showing scenes for Party in the Ways. So anyone that's seen both of those stories, you know that's a no-no. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, so, uh, and this 
coupled with the the fact that in the forums and on, 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 in the British press, um, the ratings dip in Series 2 broadcasts in the UK, which they say, and this is just annoys the, well, you can bleep it out yourself. Um, put in, Insert expletive there. It, it It's annoying that they start blaming David Tennant automatically. The, the people don't like the new Doctor. It's That is complete and utter rubbish. It just goes back to what I was saying, I think, in Podcast 40, where the BBC have screwed around so much with the timing for various reasons, because the cup final or football is overrun or because Strictly Dance Fever or whatever the hell it is, is on. Just stick to a time, BBC. It's not because people don't want to watch Doctor Who. It's because people don't know when it's on. And just stick to 7 o'clock or 7.15. It doesn't matter what time it is. People will watch it. But just stick to the same time. Well, the first thing, the 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 first mistake is that they make the show earlier. It's one thing that the sh- if the show came on later, where if it was on 7 and they moved it back to 7 to 15, people would tune in and kind of stick around and, and on a live well, yeah, event, they, let's say, like a sporting event, you know, don't forget everybody, coming up right after the game is Doctor Who. People the, would the, stick the around. But yeah. when you move a show earlier, you're asking for disaster because people will come in at the usual time and join the show in progress. And then you've lost them. Mm. Well, I agree, but I think that, to my knowledge, uh, people out there in Podshockland, the listeners, do let me know if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that's only happened the once this time because of the Eurovision. Um, but I think that the, well, the reason why Doctor Who draws such an enormous amount of viewing figures here in the UK, is like 40% of all the viewing figures, um, which is pretty phenomenal when you think about it. 40% of everybody who has a television watches Doctor Who every Saturday night. But it's a family thing. People sit down, they have the telly on, they'll, you know, as a family or as... I mean, I know certainly here um, I live with uh, three other gents and we all sit down together and watch Doctor Who and have a right good laugh. Um, so if it's, if it's... Even if it's later people might presume that it's not on this week and so turn over to... If they're not loyal fans like you or me and, and, and don't know that it's on at like 20 past 7 or whatever, I just think it's important that they just have it on wherever possible at the same time. And I think that that this next this next few episodes, because I've seen The Impossible Planet and I'm sure that The Satan Pit is going to be equally as good, if not better, they're going to draw in bigger audiences because people's going to, particularly with the two-parters, people start talking about it at work, people get enthusiastic about it, you know, what do you think is going to happen next? It, it, it gets other people into it when people hear, you know, their mates talking about it, they get drawn into the show. So I, I think it's important that they just stick to the same time. It's not hard, for heaven's sake, just sort it out, BBC, please, please sort it out. But we, yes. we do have to give credit to the BBC, because um, as Steve had pointed out in our forums, at least they're not doing what sometimes happens in the States, is uh, they're, not pre, they're not rejoining Doctor Who already in progress after a sporting event, which happens so often here in the U.S. when sporting takes over everything. You know, that takes priority over anything else. And then they, re- and they come in the middle of a program because they, they ran over time and they don't show up from the beginning. So at least yeah. they're showing Doctor Who in its entirety. We don't know when... <laughs> well, but at least it's in its entirety. 
Well, this is it, because don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore the BBC. They're a, a British institution and, uh, you know, they are marvellous. They really are. But at the same time, I think because they're so good and because they set the, the bar so high, I think it is such a shame when they mess up on little things like this, you know, just because of silly little things like the football's run late or whatever or, you know... I think that there's no real reason, really, aside from... I mean, Eurovision and the football, I can forgive them, but Strictly Dance Fever, Running Over and so on, um, I, I can't forgive them of that. And, I, I, you know, that's obviously they need to make money and so on and so forth. But, you know, I, I'm, just go, I'm just thinking back to... I think it was Time Flight in, in the comments on our, on our website said, uh, you know, that it, it, the BBC deserves a good kicking every now and again to keep them in line because he says that, um, I think he made a comment that we, we pay for them after all through our television licenses. And of course, uh, Podshock is free, so we should be able to rant about the BBC whenever we want to. And so <laughs> I like that. Thanks for that time flight. But yeah, <laughs> seriously though, I do adore the BBC. I'm not just bashing the BBC for the sake of it, just for people who are going to get sick of me ranting. But I just have to say that I think it is an absolute shame, and they do—they kick themselves uh, in the, in, they, you know, they well, cut the, off their nose despite the face, just doing silly little things like this. The thing is, the BBC have a, a long history of being disrespectful to Doctor Who, and one of the things that that we were hoping and and were counting on with Russell T Davies and the new show and the new you know, with Julie Gardner and some of the people that are behind the scenes now, that the show is going to gain some newfound respect. And it has. But once again, I ask you, would, would other networks treat their prime, their flagship show in this manner? Well, in, that's my in, argument, yeah. in, in the United States, would NBC do, well, this is, the show is off the air, but a show like Friends, which was... Thursday night bread and butter for NBC. Would they do something like that to friends? Would they just screw around with it? No, they wouldn't. Matter well, of fact, they, think... would, they would go out of their way to make sure it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But uh, So I show us think... this is your flagship show. Yeah, and I, and I have to say, I don't think that's got anything to do, obviously, with Russell T. Davies or the production team of Doctor no, Who no, or anything I, like I, that. I, it's the suits. We, we were hoping for that we would get that respect again. Yeah, it's, it's again, the Michael we, Grade um, apprentices, shall we say, you know, who were just, uh, I don't and know. And once again, just, the, the tabloid saying things like, well, you know, it's the doctor's fault. No, it wasn't Colin Baker's fault. It wasn't Sylvester McCoy's fault. And it's not David Tennant's fault. No. and I You want to know where the problem lies? Look in the mirror. And not the newspaper. Well, not the newspaper, <laughs> not the tabloid. yeah. Not the tabloids, because they'll tell you, uh, they'll tell you exactly comes that. Down to the, it comes down to the, the, the pencil pushers and the bee encounters. It comes down to the uncreative people making the creative decisions uh, at the network. And that, it's that simple. So I agree. And I think uh, that perhaps we've ranted enough about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. People will be we, like, God, chill. On, we on have a more news. On, on a related note, we should make a mention that our uh, Canadian correspondent, Mike, um, had made a mention to us um, a comment about uh, again going back to episode I think forty of Podchuck where we um, we complained about the Sci-Fi Channel cutting out uh, part of the uh, the nano genes scenes yeah. and 
um, in uh, the Octo Dancers, and that, that was actually the Canadian print. The Canadian copy is what the Sci-Fi Channel has. So that was um, actually an edit that was um, because Canada was getting the series so quickly after the, um, you know, almost simultaneously as it was being transmitted in the BBC. Um, sometimes they weren't getting the final finished edit or something to that nature, and that that was a um, what what you saw was not the it wasn't Five. the sci-fi channel's edit it was actually an edit that was pre-existing in the canadian uh copy and uh, so we want to thank mike for clearing that up did you happen to watch bad wolf on sci-fi channel mm, no i i think okay. i might have had I it in the back to, I, I i i they made an edit there as well um, well, I'm sure they probably. I wouldn't be surprised if they had, but um, I'm just trying to. I was trying to think of very specifically of the scene, and I had. I watched um, a few times leading up to this. I had watched it on my own DVD. Here comes my wife to chime in. I, thank you. She said they didn't introduce two characters, the the um, the two folks who were working on the space station. In other words, they were just—they came back from—they came back from commercial, and just these two characters were just there. And I think there may have been a scene introducing them, but yes, I could be in error. Yeah. I'm sure I'll be corrected on the forum. So it's—it's it's the the production team, right? The um, the uh, gosh, I, I'm trying to remember their names because I'm sure that they did have names. Um, but like the people who are working in the control desks behind the scenes, is that what you're talking you about? Bad Wolf. To? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. The 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 uh, the the girl, the, the man, and the woman who were like the controllers, you know. Yeah, in, and they, they the had a bit of a at, thing at going. The, um, Big Brother house. That's right. Yeah. They just yeah. again, I'm, I'm trying to remember the unedited copy, but they just sort of appeared on the Sci-Fi Channel copy without any any introduction or proper introduction. Of, 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 uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. But okay, move along. <laughs> so, okay. have we got anything else in the news? I think that um, unless you two gentlemen have anything else to um, talk about as far as news goes, I think that wraps up the news. I can't. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So we'll be right back with more Doctor Who Podshock right after this. Hi, this is Eugene Washington, and you are listening to Doctor Who Podshop. The following is a promo for the new Doctor Who podcast, The WhoCast. Hi, I'm Paul Wilson and welcome to The WhoCast. If you're interested in Doctor Who or in Torchwood, then this is the podcast for you. This podcast is produced in conjunction with the London Doctor Who Meetup Group. And not only do we discuss all things Who, but we meet on a regular basis. And you can be sure of many interesting and different discussions when we all get together. If you want to know more, subscribe to the podcast or join our meeting group, then please have a look at our website at www thewhocast.com Get ready for the adventure of a lifetime.
we're back with Doctor Who Pachak, and once again, I'm joined with uh, Ken. Yes. James in the UK, our good friend James. And um, we're all having, this is going to be our parting of the ways. So goodbye, everyone. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's the the finale here in the United States of uh, On the Sci-Fi Channel, which means that you're left with Stargate the rest of the summer. And I apologize for that, but I have no control over that. <laughs> well, you can, as Ken mentioned earlier in today's program, you can actually contact the Sci-Fi Channel and request, you know, the continuation of Doctor Who. I agree. I, I think it's 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 mandatory, actually. So consider that your homework assignment. Feedback at sci-fi.com and just get in there. Email them. Tell them what you think. Tell them that that this is the kind of programming that you want on the Sci-Fi Channel. I saw some advertising they had for some other shows, a made-for-sci-fi movie or something. It was, you know, sometimes they come up with some great stuff, and sometimes they come up with not-so-great stuff. I don't mind the horror programming seeping in from time to time, you know, because I think there's a there's a close connection there, just like there is with fantasy. Of course, fantasy belongs on the Sci-Fi Channel. But, but wrestling? we want more Doctor no. Who. <laughs> what? I said, but wrestling? No, no, okay, wrestling. well, that might be fantasy. Okay, all right. But still, <laughs> it doesn't belong on the sci-fi channel. Um, yeah, but I don't think it's the sort of fantasy that uh, strictly goes hand-in-hand hand with science fiction. It's certainly not my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, so <laughs> we're going to... Uh, the way is this, we're gonna is, review this is it for this, series one. This is this is it. This is what we've been leading up to and building up to, and answers are revealed. And um, the show takes takes itself to another level as far as intensity goes. Um, the acting is top notch. Level five hundred, in fact. Uh, yeah, Chris Eccleston's <laughs> incredible in this episode. I mean, this is this is it. This is well, yeah. Both him song. and Billy Piper both did an outstanding job in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, I, and I thought John Barrowman was was yeah. great. I mean, he uh, I mentioned this a couple of shows ago. I think he, you know, his character just keeps getting better episode after episode. Yeah. And in this one, he's mm-hmm. the hero again. You know, as far as the heroic lead with the, you know, rousing the troops to action yeah, and the stuff. The strong arm hero. Yeah. Um, you feel quite hurt when you see the Daleks exterminate him. Towards the end of the episode, I mean, and also you get you're relieved when he returns. Um, but when he when upon first watching the episode, I'm absolutely mortified that he was exterminated. But he went in a heroic manner. Uh, loved the scene of the Daleks rising outside of the space station through the glass. And yeah, I was just going to mention Linda's death as well was. Very well handled. Uh, especially mm. that they, they showed that the doctor had a bit of a crush on her. Well, I don't know about a crush, but it was a potential new companion there. Yeah. yeah. Mm, mm, don't don't mm. don't get me started with this girl in the fireplace thing with crushes. <laughs> I don't think anyone has a crush on her. <laughs> I don't think it was a crush at all. Linda no. with a Y. Uh, yeah, there was there was a chemistry certainly, but yeah, but well, I think I'm I'm with Lewis. I think that it's it's a companionship chemistry. It's not a Let's go back and have um, hanky panky in the TARDIS sort of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it, it is. It is just uh, affection, I think. And, mm-hmm. uh, Probably the most 
surprising aspect of this episode, the thing that I remember when it first aired that was most talked about was the kiss. And there are two of them. Actually, three kisses. There are actually three kisses in the episode. Thank you. Um, so pick, <laughs> we have a hat trick. Pick one of the three, the kiss. Pick, pick which one. Well, and... one of them I don't really consider a kiss. It was sort of a means of sucking the energy out of... <laughs> <laughs> Transference, yes. Yes. But it, it, it is a Mulder and Scully-like buildup where all season we had seen the development of the characters of Rose and the Doctor and there being something more than just bringing them along, you know, bringing the doctor bringing Rose along. Uh, and it leads to this. And it is a kiss and it isn't a kiss. There's another thing going on there, but there's this very definite kiss that sort of happens. And, mm. and then there's the breaking of 40-something years of television taboos in the character of Captain Jack and the Doctor. Well, it's forty some odd years of Doctor Who television, um, not, not yes. television in general. Yeah. In, in, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I do, speaking from a UK perspective, it wasn't like a you know there was a huge fanfare about it or people were shocked or anything, because um, I think we live in quite liberal times here in the UK, and it was just. Uh, well, it was, and it was also done by John Barrett. Oh, oh, but there's a background story, behind-the-scenes story that's pretty funny. But, um, but first, on screen, let's talk about um, John Barrowman, um You know, he had a deep affection for both the Doctor and Rose, and um, you know, and when it was time for him, you know, thinking that this is going to be their his big goodbye, and he wasn't sure if he was going to see them again. You know, he kissed them both, and he both he kissed them both equally the same. Yes, yes, and that was something intentional Mm -hmm. by John Barrowman that he wanted to make sure that it was of equal intensity on both counts and um and and that his uh affection and love for each other was something uh that went beyond a sexual one it's similar to what we were just talking about with rose and the doctor it was something beyond a a sexual it's on on, on a different level and uh, um it was it was pure platonic love i think yeah and um and it was no big deal for you know i mean both the doctor and rose didn't react absurd you know um negatively towards it he, they, they, well, they were both certainly not they were both uh, flabbergasted they both yeah. loved it <laughs> and but behind the, the the little behind the scenes stories um during the commentary of parting the ways uh john barrowman explains um or, or i don't know if it was he who explains he may, i think he probably was the one who did it but um when they were actually shooting it he as you know he first kisses rose and then he moved on to the doctor. And when they were shooting it, then he, he kept on kissing the doctor and brought um, um, Christopher Eccleston down to the floor and continued. And without Christopher Eccleston knowing he was going to do that. And the whole, <laughs> everyone was just like hysterical laughing. And anyway, but I guess you had to be there. Yeah, John, John Barrowman seems <laughs> to I guess you had to be... to be there, Luke. Well, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I think John Barrowman is, is a terrific chap. And I, I think if he wasn't... Um, if he wasn't an actor, he'd be a comedian because he, he is terrifically funny. Chap. He's, and he's uh, very prolific. He's getting a lot of work. He's doing lots of stuff. He's yes. obviously he's heading up Torchwood. And, um, well, you it's know, not hard it, to see why. He's a very talented bloke. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's um, unfortunate Incredibly for us because we would love to have him on the show, but he, we can't get him on. He's so busy. Incredibly <laughs> charismatic person. You can tell. You can tell oh, when yeah. someone just has that magnetism, that personal magnetism. And he's it doesn't a great... help that he, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's dashingly handsome. And he's also... <laughs> He's also a great fan of this of the show itself. He's very, you know, he, yes. he, he gets all hyped up and watches the, just like James was saying before about how he watches Doctor Who with his mates, and John Barrowman does the same thing each, um, each week, you know, regardless whether he's in it or not. Uh, you know, they have a, you know, they have a, a, a viewing of, of the series, of the show, and, um, and have a good time doing it. I think well, he has really a Dalek... Looking- at his fireplace or something like that. There was again mention of mentions of that in the commentary when you get the DVD and uh, you can get a listen on that. I'm really looking forward to seeing him return in series two or and or Torchwood, depending on what we, you know, we find out as, I, as I, the I believe. Progresses. Yeah, I we will find out at the end of series two how they're gonna make that if there's gonna be a bridging story to Torchwood or not. I'm just. Um, Go ahead. Little, I want to get your your take on this, gentlemen. Uh, the Captain Jack uh, departure is the wrong word for it, I guess, because he does say his goodbyes. He's exterminated by the Dalek, and then during the whole bad wolf scene, the Rose, you know, opening the TARDIS up and the whole bit, he comes back to life. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor and Rose depart, and he sees yeah. the TARDIS go, but there, again... We had already done our goodbye scene. So to the but, best of the Doctor and Rose's knowledge, they don't know what happens to him. Maybe he's dead. Maybe he's alive. He knows that they leave, but he doesn't know the Doctor's well, regenerated. There's still a lot of open ends. Yeah. I mean, there was character. some disappointment in his face when he saw the TARDIS, you know, just going without him. I, yes. I think he was clearly disappointed, I think. And um, though there is a mention of him during the... Uh, it's up to you whether or not you want to consider it canon or not, but the Christmas... the, the um, the 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 eight minute um, children in need special where um, that takes place between parting the ways and the Christmas invasion, um, where the Doctor mentions Captain Jack is you know rebuilding Earth or whatever, and but other than that, there's really no mention of him afterwards. Mm, mm. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they get him to modern times in order to be in Torchwood, which we assume happens at towards the end of series two, which as we know, John Barrowman is slated to be in the last two episodes so they must pick him up somewhere well we don't know what in what time plane that maybe he's in torchwood before he meets the doctor because there's always those two years of his life that are uh erased from his memory true and, very true that's a good point though. so um that's mm. yet to be seen mm. Mm. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about that for a second wow how does that add to the dynamic you know of the mm, characters you, but the, then you, oh Oh, you know, do dude, you, that's just do you like him? Is it is Torchwood a bad well, thing? Yeah. Well, if you go back to uh, the Doctor, the unearthly, oh my God, the empty child, and uh, the Doctor dances, where he speaks about that, and he's, yeah. you know, he talks to, the, he speaks of the Doctor, saying that, um, you know, maybe he's justified not liking me because, you know, I don't, you know, the character himself doesn't know if he was good or bad during that time, you know. Yeah. So, um, interesting stuff. Market, this place. They're doing little tubs of coleslaw now. It's not very nice. Tastes a bit sort of clinical. Have you tried that new pizza place on Minto Road? What's it selling? Pizza. Oh, that's nice. Do they deliver? Yeah. Oh, Rose, have something to eat. 200,000 years in the future. 
He's dying and there's nothing I can do. Well, like you said, 200,000 years, it's way off. But it's not. It's now. That fight is happening right now. And he's fighting for us, for the whole planet, and I'm just sitting here eating chips. Listen to me. God knows I have hated that man, but right now I love him. And you know why? Because he did the right thing. He sent you back to me. But what do I do every day, Mum? What do I do? Get up, catch the bus, go to work, come back home, eat chips and go to bed. Is that it? It's what the rest of us do. Well, I can't. Why? Because you're better than no, I No, I didn't mean that. But it was. It was a better life. And I, I don't mean all the travelling and... Seeing aliens and spaceships and things, that don't matter. The doctor showed me a better way of living your life. You know he showed you too. That you don't just give up. You don't just let things happen. You make a stand. You say no. You have the guts to do what's right when everyone else just runs away and I... But then we get to the end and the regeneration and the lead up to the regeneration and which sorry sorry Ken I didn't mean to interrupt no, go ahead. you mate go on I, I was going to say to me I was very pleasantly surprised that they did it uh, then I, you know I, I obviously I knew as soon as he you know as soon as he said um, I'm dying you know but I'm going to change you know I knew that he was going to regenerate, um, but I, I, all the time before that, I was thinking, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, is is the Doctor, is Chris Eccleston going to continue on to the Christmas invasion? Because at this point we knew that there was going to be a Christmas special, even though it was like the end of July or something. Um, we knew that there was going to be another special, and... It was all the time. It was just such a surprise to me when when it actually happened, and I, you know, it was. Well, there I, was. I'm sure. There was a bit of a giveaway in the title of the parting of the ways, you know. Yeah, and, but uh, I I didn't know whether that meant that Rose is going to leave. I didn't know yes. whether that was going to be Captain Jack leaving, you know, and also at the same time, um, you know, I I. I never really tried to place too much on the title of Doctor Who um, because of the, of the episode because I like things to unfold and I don't like to think about things too much. Mm -hmm. um, because, well, I, I mean, I know obviously in previous stories, things like um, the Dalek invasion of Earth and so on, that gives it away straight away. And I think, to be honest, those are the sort of rubbish titles that we, we don't really want that give yeah. you know, but you the, the titles going to be in. In the new series of Doctor Who, the titles are very different in in many cases than previous years. And uh, like for instance, the long game really had nothing to do with it. Uh, the long game doesn't come into play until Bad Wolf when yes. he realizes yeah. this has just been a long game that's being played. And uh, mm. but uh, but if you look at the episode, the long game, it has nothing to do with the title you at all. You don't realize it till you see the full picture. Yeah, but yeah. which I'm is part of the genius of it all. I, I must confess that um, when the Doctor said at the end of the Parting of the Ways, he said, um, 
But but it means I'm going to change. I had, and I'm getting it now. I had a big lump, a in, lump my in my throat. throat. Yeah, it yeah, was the first I, time I was getting teary eyed, and oh, it was the crazy. first time in the history of me watching this show, some two plus decades, that I, you know, the the regeneration was always a sad time, a time of mystery, and you got you know, you felt that oh, one character was leaving, and you were excited about another doctor coming aboard. But this is the first time, and it really comes down to Eccleston's delivery of, but I'm going to change, that I think anybody else, to his credit, Eccleston pulls it off 100%. And it's just, how else can I put it? It's just perfect. It is as perfect a moment in Doctor Who as you're ever going to get. It's perfect. Well, I, I think both um, Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper played it very well together because oh, her no, reactions. Absolutely. I mean, because she went from being scared and frightened, and then when you know, she, you know, he starts talking about Barcelona and having no head or two heads, or what, what do you think of me with no head or something like that, and she starts smiling a little bit, but it's a nervous smile, and um, yeah. I think she pulled it off very well as. And it was a difficult, and also be, it should be noted that that scene was shot. Um, across a very long period of time because they first did the Christopher Eccleston uh, bits and then they had to reshoot it with David Tennant um, some, I guess, some months later or there was some gap of time between the two. I think um, it was when... I think that was in July, if I remember rightly, just before they started to film The Christmas Invasion. So they'd done all the bits with Billy and Chris beforehand yeah, when they, they actually they, filmed The Parting of the Ways. And then, as you say, they got David Tennant back and in they like had the to, summer. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, you know, there are, there are moments in this episode that even like the, the emergency um, message the, the, that the doctor leaves for Rose, just chilling when he's looking down and he's talking, you know, uh, a la... Princess Leia looking at R2-D2 in the little hologram, looking down into the camera, uh, you know, that he's recording on, but haunting when he leaves the final message and looks right into her eyes. You know, you well, just, you cannot yeah. help but be well, moved by... And But what he says is, you know, do one thing, you know, and have a fantastic life and... Um, you know, in, in many ways, this episode sort of foreshadows what's going to come in series two with school reunion and, and what happens to a companion after the doctor, after she, the companion departs the doctor. And, um, and I think as equally potent, um, as, um, there, there are other parts of this episode that are equally as important as the, the climax, as, as the regeneration scenes is, um, is, um, uh, Rose, once she is returned back to her time and, you know, um, without any way of getting back, uh, she comes to the realization that the doctor showed her a better life, a better way of living. And I thought that was important. Now she had to come to terms with, well, what does that mean being back on Earth and without the doctor, without the, the um, you know, being with the doctor anymore. And it was more, yeah. it was much, so much more than just, you know, going places and meeting alien worlds and, you know, so forth. It was, um, it's that the doctor showed uh, showed her a better way of, of living life, and I thought that was equally as important in this episode. Um, another really touching scene was um, Rose's revelation revelation that she met her father. You know, when she was talking to uh, Jackie, her mom, and um, you know, and she was getting, you know, she was just like, just shut up, you know, and um, she ran out of there because um, it was such an emotional. Um, 
time, you know, just because, you know, she says, oh, don't you remember the blonde girl that was with her, with him when he died? And she yeah. realized that was actually her daughter. Oh, there were, there, it seemed like there were many things that were sewn up, not only from the previous episode, Bad Wolf, but like Lewis is saying, all the way back to the long game, uh, all the way back to Father's Day, all the way back to Rose with the start of, is it always this dangerous and, and things like that? You know, the, it goes right back to those earliest moments. The whole season um, is sewn together in a very nice, in a very, into a very nice package, into the full season having some meaning and some scope. Yeah, and obviously the bad wolf running throughout the whole series as well. You know, the, ter- the, the words bad wolf, you know, was strung across, you know, almost every episode in the whole series. And like that- all great regeneration episodes... You get enough of the new doctor to get an idea of more than just what he looks like, like a still photograph. You get to hear him say a few words, um, but never enough that you don't want to see more of him. You could, I mean, how, how excited were we to get to the Christmas invasion to see him you know, in action as the doctor? I mean, yeah. right off the bat, I remember saying to Lou last year about this time, you know, how excited we were that, wow, we got the new doctor. Like, what did you think of him? You know, what did you think of him? He only had two lines. Yeah. Listen, but it doesn't that, matter. He's the new doctor. He was instantly accepted. He was automatically on my desktop wallpaper and the whole bit. And that's all we mm-hmm. had until November when the Children in Need special came out. And we got those uh, few more minutes more of the doctor, you know, that takes place immediately after the regeneration that we see in Parting the Ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to be very curious as to the reaction um, here in the States, especially on Sci-Fi Channel, in some ways, leaving on a cliffhanger uh, of sorts by changing the main character's identity. And for newcomers to the show uh, who have just started watching on the Sci-Fi Channel, what they make of all this. Mm. Yeah, and I think for many is... people, this could be their first regeneration. I mean, for us, we've already been through it many times before. But as Ken is saying, for those that are just being inundated or initiated with um, Doctor Who right now, th- this is um, something new. But this is also why it is very important that this is the time to get in contact with the Sci-Fi Channel. Because it's, all, it's very deliberate in the fact that you're going to see a brand new doctor and they're going to leave on a whole new set of adventures and I'm sure that even without my appeal, people will be writing and emailing and calling and saying, well, how did we see the rest of the story? So even this just doubles the reason why we need to do it now. No, I guess it's for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we waited here in the dark space, damaged but rebuilding. Centuries passed, and we quietly infiltrated the systems of Earth, harvesting the waste of humanity. The prisoners, the refugees, the dispossessed, they all came to us. The bodies were filleted, pulped, sifted. The seed of the human race is perverted. Only one cell in a billion was fit to be nurtured. So you created an army of Daleks out of the dead. That makes them half human. Those words are blasphemy! 
When did the Daleks have a concept of blasphemy? I reached into the dirt and made new life. I am the god of all Daleks. Worship him! Worship him! Worship him! They're insane. Hiding in silence for hundreds of years, that's enough to drive anyone mad. But it's worse than that. Driven mad by your own flesh. The stink of humanity. You hate your own existence. And that makes them more deadly than ever. We're going. You may not leave my presence. Stay where you are. Well, it should be noted. I mean, we mentioned we we, we just brushed across it uh, earlier before uh, about the Daleks. That, that I mean, this is the return of the Daleks. Uh, I mean, of course, we had the episode Dalek, but that was singular. Now we have Daleks, and um, plural. Um, yes, <laughs> in masses, and uh, yes. um, you know. Uh, also, there was. Uh, I believe this is the first time we see a Dalek inside the TARDIS as well, um, which is. Um, Something um, breaking new ground, as Julie Gardner, I think, said well, in the commentary. It, it, what I what I what I really enjoyed, as much as the Daleks aren't my favorite, and I took them to task in the episode Dalek. Uh, this is the British Doctor Who fans, you know, best dream come true: an army of Daleks that are flying and in space, and, and at the complete um, having complete mobility. Doing what they do best, which is just be the bad guys. Well, not just the British, but also, I mean, there are many American fans that enjoy the Daleks as well. So sure, it's, it, sure. it's at any but the, anyone... But what I, what I like, again, we talk about um, uh, Russell T. Davies' influences. You could see the movie, uh, the influence of the two Peter Cushing movies in this episode. The, the, like the Dalek that, spaceships. Yeah, or, or just raising it to the next level, saying, boy, if we only had the money to do a proper Dalek. Thing, yeah. you know mm-hmm. and this is that well once again the mill d- who d- does the cgi effects did an outstanding job and um there's some if uh, these actors were in front of green screens and so much of this um dalek you know s- uh, on board the dalek spaceship that uh, they did an outstanding job just putting it all together and um making it work so let's yeah. give our ratings on this i think it's i think they might be quite obvious though yeah, I mean, there's there's so much in this story, and yet um, so much of it just kind of speaks on its own. It's, it doesn't like, I, it's like after watching this, this is another one of these stories that go by so quickly. Like before you know it, it's the end of the story already. It's like all like you begin watching it, and then it feels like minutes pass, and you're at the regeneration scene already, and like whoa, what happened? I mean, it's just. It, the pacing is is phenomenal, and um, the, the characters and the, the story and the action um, all fall right into place. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I, 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 
and like I said, I, I don't really have much to say about it because I think the story itself, the episode itself, really speaks to uh, speaks for itself. I don't, mm. That's not really a cop out. It's just you know, I, I it's how you feel. <laughs> there's really no not much more to say really, and it's not to say that it's a a bad episode at all. Um, mm. So. I mean, so I guess I'll start off by saying I'm going to give it five TARDIS groans. Um, And it's um, it it really just, as Ken says, we we often spoke of this uh, 2005 series as almost like a mini series and uh, um, where it's all connected. And this kind of ties it all up and brings it back, you know, um, brings all the episodes back in, you know, and uh, um, and and now we're we're going off to a fresh new start with David Tennant as the tenth Doctor. Well, I I agree with you one hundred percent. It's a five star episode. Um, I think it stands well on its own. I uh, I would say if you just came in and this was the only one you watched, it would probably still have a pretty decent impact, you know, dramatically. But uh, obviously, it's it's given five stars because it does wrap up groans a lot of questions and, and it really brings a lot of things together but the emotional impact uh, i mean where where do you begin in an episode like this i mean you can pick a hundred moments in this episode that are so excellent they're just they're Mickey everything and a mini that we wanted in a new doctor <laughs> who we got it in this episode mm. I, so it's five I agree with you. i agree with you gentlemen entirely of course everything that you said um i just i can't think of anything how you could i mean we've tried our best but it's just such a good an episode such a great climax to the series nicely rounded off the way that they tie everything together as well is just fantastic it take it must take great organization and in, an incredible amount of th- forethought and planning to, I mean, just like Lewis was mentioning earlier, the long game, um, which isn't revealed until Bad Wolf. You know, that's something, a reference that I didn't really get or kind of just washed over me until I watched it for the second time or the third time, you know. And it's just the level of detail they go to, to for... Uh, continuity and it's just incredibly clever and for that reason alone it, it deserves five TARDIS grounds out of five let alone all the other fantastic moments that make up this terrific episode of Doctor Who and just kind of almost um, it, it really makes you sad in a way because you really really want to see David Tennant as the new Doctor you want it to continue you can't believe it's come to an end so to speak, and I, I think that it just kind of is has been such a fantastic way to kick off Doctor Who again to get it going. And Christopher Eccleston was a a brilliant Doctor, and full credit to him. I obviously understand his reasons why he he wanted to leave, but I, I loved it. Five stars, no uh, five groans, I should say. No argument <laughs> well, for me. You know this. This season, we had a little of everything. We obviously relaunched, the show was relaunched. Uh, so we had, in effect, our second version, a second version of an unearthly child, along with a few old baddies like the Autons and the Daleks, and the Daleks getting, um, getting the, the, f- 
the royal treatment. And then you had a great actor playing the doctor and a great actress playing his new companion and some great supporting cast. And then on top of all this, you get a regeneration at the end of the season uh, with a story arc that is really spectacular. And, you know, if we were going to review the parting of the ways, we also have to review the season as a whole. And as a whole, you'd be very hard-pressed to find another season of Doctor Who that holds its own against this one. Uh, you'd have to, you know, there are a few, there are a handful that you might be able to point at and say, oh, this season was just as good as the Chris Eccleston year. Mm, mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, and, and as Ken just said, it's, um, this um, plays a great homage to Dalek episodes of the past, you know, where they, they really get, did give him the royal treatment and um, it was great to see that, um, you know, because even going back to the episode Dalek and, you know, they kept with the same general design. Um, they, um, again, we see in the, uh, we, as I mentioned in, uh, last, I think when we did the review of, uh, Bad Wolf, I mentioned the sound effects were the same, you know, of the dun, 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 that you hear in the background when they're on board the Dalek ship and all that. And, um, you know, so I think they have great reverence to what has come before them. And, um, and as Ken said, you know, even going back to the Dalek movies and, um, drawing upon that and, 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 you know, let's like, and, and the Dalek emperor and outstanding job there as well, you know, um, so kudos all around. You know, and then, and again, I don't mean to be repeating everything Ken said, but just um, again, it's it is a, you can't kind of review this without reviewing the whole series, you know, the two thousand and five series as a whole. So, there you have it. That's our review have, yeah. of Parting of the Way. We'll be right back with more of Doctor Who Podshock after this. Stay where you are. The following is a promo for the podcast, The Signal. These are just a few of the segments we've recorded. And you can hear, it isn't what we thought. No, but you'd be a great dirty old man. Damn it, Mal. <laughs> Hand me my teeth. <laughs> no, 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 we're not, not going to go there. There's been no war here. And no podcasting event. The environment is stable. It, It's The Signal. The big damn podcast that we added to the iTunes music store and most of the big podcast directories. It was supposed to entertain the population, feed their craving for Firefly and Serenity. Adventures in Serenity. Well, it works. The people here stopped complaining and they stopped everything else. They stopped going to work. They stopped breeding, talking, eating. There's 20,000 people here and they all just listen to the signal. Captain Reynolds I have to be quick. Many of the population had an activist reaction to the signal. Their guerrilla marketing response increased beyond madness. They have become brown coats. Brown coats carry greenbacks, and we want our trilogy. And not just brown coats. They've done things. 
bought the DVDs, lent them to their friends. The I won't live to report this, but people have to know. We meant it for the best. To get a sequel made to Serenity. Oh God! The Sentinel, season two. Serenity is worth fighting for. So we're back with Doctor Who Podshock, and it is time for our, the feedback portion of our program. Although it should be noted that uh, we we are saving our review of... The Impossible Planet and its second part, The Satan Pit, for next week's episode. Very good. So what are we having feedback, gentlemen? All right. Well, do we want to do emails first or do we want to do voice comments first? Um, well, we have, um, I guess it doesn't make a difference. Um, we, can, we have this one from, um, who did I say this was from again? Stuart, um... oh, we, we could yes we have we have um well before we do Stuarts we have this from um I believe this is from West Herbert of Geek Week and it's a short piece of um audio feedback that he sent through out through Skype and if you want to send us uh, audio feedback you can do so by uh by using Skype or the Gizmo project and the the uh the address to send it to is Podshock. And if you want to, um, if you don't want to do it that way, you just want to call up on an ordinary phone. You can call the Podshock Public Call Box at two zero six eight 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 four who, and that translates to two zero six eight 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 four nine four six. And that's a um, that's a two zero six area code in the UK in the US rather. So just be aware of that. But um, getting back to. Um, I believe it's West and from Geek Week, which is another podcast, and this is what West has to say. Hi guys, this is West from Geek Week. Uh, I just want to tell you your last show was just amazing, and we all here think that you guys are incredible. Um, keep up the good work, and I just want to tell you guys that y'all are doing great. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, thank you, West. And I believe that's he's mentioning episode 40, which was uh, the last one that went out at the time of cool. this recording. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. It was a very nice compliment. Yes. Yeah, lovely. Cheers, mate. Uh, so, yeah, we didn't you say that we had an audio report now, Liz, from is, uh, a guy called Stuart Robinson? Is, is yes, that correct? Yes, he did a, um, he has an audio report about the, uh, the unit's 20th anniversary party in Boston. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the one that, uh, with John Levine and John Leeson and someone, a special effects uh, person who I don't have his name handy in my um, gray matter between my ears is um, failing me, so uh, I do apologize, but... Um, but anyway, he, he, he did go, we were supposed to, we were, we hoped to attend, but I was unfortunately unable to get to Boston last weekend, uh, for this event. And, uh, Paul, well, actually both, both of us were unable to, yeah. um, due, due to circumstances beyond our control, we might add. We, we do want to thank Paul for the invite and we do want to thank, um, 
Satai Sticks and Sean Huckster, Huckster and everyone else that attended the event and gave wonderful reports and reviews on our website about it and photos and we, it's all very much appreciative and it's if you haven't checked it out go to the gallifreyandembassy.org or podshock.net and you can uh, read what uh, others had to say about the event and check out the photos in the media gallery. And congratulations, by the way, to the good folks yes. at UNIT mm -hmm. for their 20th, 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as without saying. Okay, this is, um, so this is Stuart's report about the event. Here we go. Hello, this is Stuart Robertson, also known as Dr. Hoovy on the forums, with a report on the North American branch of UNIT's 20th anniversary party held in Boston on the 27th of May. I attended the event with my son George, a 5th grade fanatical Doctor Who fan, and we met up with Sean Huckster and his daughter Charlotte, who's also in 5th grade, and with Judy Dion, known as Satai Sticks on the forums. The event started with the cutting of the 20th anniversary cake, which was done by the three main guests, John Leeson, aka the voice of K9, John Levine, better known to us as Sergeant Benton, and Mike Tucker, the special effects wizard from the new series. The next part of the day was taken up with showing some videos from previous unit meetings over the last 20 years. This turned out to be a particularly good part of the day for us as John Levine and his uh, lovely wife came over and sat down with the kids for the best part of an hour and regaled um, them with stories of how John got started in the industry and his early days on Doctor Who. Most notably that he started off as a Yeti and then a Cyberman and only was elevated to the position of Sergeant Benton because the original actor turned up late for work three days in a row. One other snippet of information that we got from John was that he's doing the audio commentary on the DVD release of Inferno which is coming out very shortly. Certainly my top tip would be if you're going to a Doctor Who convention take some kids with you because the guests seem to like to talk to them. John was actually up on stage next uh, talking to the audience in general. During that talk as well as some of the things he told us earlier he was sharing some of his experiences with John Pertwee who he was actually quite close with. When John Pertwee was doing his one-man show, John Levine drove around the country with him, essentially being a chauffeur and helping him learn all his lines. Uh, during that time, uh, John Levine became the guy that John Pertwee trusted to actually knock his kneecap back into place as an uh, old uh, injury meant that it kept popping off and John couldn't wa walk and all filming and everything would be uh, would be cancelled until Mr. Levine could pop his kneecap back in place again. Next up on stage was Mike Tucker, the uh, miniature effects wizard from the two new series. He had brought DVD footage which for one reason or other hadn't made it into um, either Doctor Who Confidential or the uh, discs which have been released so far. The first set of clips he showed were, was to do with the Big Bang crash scene in the Aliens of London and one of the things he shared with us was the fact that in the final editing they decided that for the sake of continuity that um, they would actually reverse the shot. So if anyone has a close look you'll see that the face of Big Ben is actually the wrong way around. 
sorry, Big Ben being the bell, uh, the clock faces the wrong way around. Lil Mike mainly does the miniature model effects. He said he also managed to pull a coup in that he got uh, Russell Davis, who he actually went to school with, to agree to let him build A, the Daleks for the first series, and B, the reconstruction of K-9 in the second series. He showed us some of the design elements that went into making the Dalek, but was more concentrating on the fact that radio-controlled props don't work terribly well when you're on location. So the Dalek uh, radio signal did not go very far when they were in the underground uh, steel and concrete surroundings of the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. The upshot of this was every time the radio control got more than about five feet away from the Dalek, its uh, sucker limb and eye stalk would start juddering uncontrollably and otherwise giving a bad effect. On the same shoot for Dalek, it turned out that um, Nicholas Briggs' ring modulator interfered with the radio controls and the control that had been rigged for uh, Nicholas to, to pull so that the Dalek's ears would flash as he spoke uh, didn't work because the ring modulator changed the frequency it was broadcasting on. Eventually, he had to wave his arm every time he spoke, and a special effects guy standing uh, 10 feet away would pull the trigger on the remote to make the uh, ears flash on the actual model. After Mike spoke, they showed School Reunion, which had aired in the UK several weeks previously. And Sean and myself took this opportunity to speak privately to Mike. Surprisingly, I seemed to be the only person who had heard that he'd won a BAFTA the previous week, and uh, we went and congratulated him. During our talk with Mike, we got a few scoops on Torchwood. Firstly, he confirmed to us that it had been transferred from BBC Three to first run on BBC One, and secondly, he said that he was not really commissioned to do many miniature effects on Torchwood because it was not going to be effects-driven rather creature and character driven drama. After school reunion finished, John Leeson was up on stage. One of the things I hadn't appreciated was that uh, K-9 was not his first voice driven character and in fact he was the original Bungle on uh, ITV's Rainbow which may not mean much to people around the world but uh, will probably bring a smile to those of us who are from the UK. He also confirmed that he had not been approached at this time to do the voice for the canine adventures, though he freely admitted this doesn't really mean anything because um, he wasn't approached to uh, do the voice of canine in the second series of the new Doctor Who until well after Liz Sladen had filmed all her parts with um, the prop. After John spoke, we had the autograph signings, which were done very well in my opinion. Unlike the normal convention, everyone was sitting at circular tables around the room, and the guests moved from table to table, signing people's uh, pictures and other items. Uh, this allowed a more intimate setting, and each person managed to speak to the guests for a good five or ten minutes. After the signing, we had dinner. I was sitting at a table with uh, Judy, Sean, his daughter Charlotte, and uh, my son George, 
and three other Podshot listeners. I'll apologize in advance if I didn't get their names right, but I believe it was uh, Sal, who is uh, Dr. W on the forums, Ricky, and Katie. And we enjoyed uh, some good Doctor Who conversation over dinner. Mike Tucker came and sat with us uh, over dessert and uh, discussed uh, some items in the the first series. Uh, And overall, I had an excellent day. Uh, Thanks need to go out to the uh, unit members who organized things. Uh, I think particularly uh, Paul Scott Aldred for doing a superb job. It's a shame that uh, Ken and Lewis couldn't get up there to join us, but um, I think I'll sign off now, leaving the last word to another attendee. So, George, what was your favourite part of the day? Hello, this is George. I'm more Doctor Who fan than my father. I love it so much. My favourite part of the Doctor Who convention was speaking and talking to John Levine. He was a very nice chap, and he taught me a lot of interesting things about Doctor Who, and also taught me how to do a real handshake. It was really good, and it was enjoyable, all ten hours. So goodbye from me, and back over to Ken, Lewis, and James from Podchuck. Wow, he's yeah. just been replaced. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think Lewis is going to contact um, these good folks to take over for on Podshock. I'm, yes, too. You've got yourself job. a new host. Yeah. So when I go off to do my solo project, <laughs> you'll have somebody to. Uh... <laughs> great work. That yes. was a great, very, very concise report on the day. And and now. I, I mean, I almost feel like we've been there. And I mean, it was so uh, detailed and um, great job, Stuart, for doing it. Also, apologies to Mike Tucker, who I. Um, I, I, his name escaped me at the beginning of this before, when I introduced this uh, report. Uh, he's the, he did an excellent work, and also congratulations on the BAFTA award. Well-deserved. Um, yes. Obviously, yes. Yeah. And that's, a, that's some, some nice little tidbits in there about some of the, the stories, the behind-the-scenes stories. Of taking, I'm going to have to hit the pause button when I watch Aliens of London next time around and take a look at the face. Oh, of yeah, the, yeah. Ben. Mm-hmm. But I, you, you probably seen that in Confidential. They, 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 they mm-hmm. explain how they had to reverse that because originally it was going to come in the other way. And um, but um, it's, uh, but it still looks incredible. I mean, and you know, you wouldn't even notice that unless someone points it out to you. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't. I mean, I certainly didn't. But it's, it's also really nice to see. Um, I've just checked out the media gallery, and it's, it's lovely to see. There's, there's a picture of Judy, of course, the tie sticks, and mm-hmm. uh, Stuart, Doctor Hoovy, and he's. Uh, Lovely son George and Charlotte, Charlotte and Sean all together with sonic screwdrivers. It's brilliant. It's uh... well, I, the most. I think one of the most, um, the most wonderful parts about what we do, Lewis, James, and myself, is that we've brought some people together with some having some commonality that they perhaps didn't have before, and they all sat at the table together, all being Podshock listeners. And got a chance to meet each other and and interact and stuff, and and that's just that's really great. I mean, with that's incredibly flattering and, 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 you know, just great stuff. I, I, yeah. I'm and quite I, humbled I, by it. I'm, I think we should all, well, obviously we're going to meet up at, at some point because uh, I've never actually met uh, Lewis or Ken in the flesh, so to speak. Um, but uh, I think we should go to a convention and, and meet some of the, the listeners and do some live recordings. Oh, absolutely. So. Definitely needs to be on the cards um, mm-hmm. because I, I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd love to meet Sean and Judy and 
anybody else who wants to to come along TV brilliant well we should make a note that unit um is is involved in the unit uh, and so so is uh paul scott eldrad who uh put this event together they're involved in the um the united fan con that's an annual convention um in the boston area in november uh and they always have a doctor who guest at least one mm. cool yeah so. and kudos to those guys for for um managing to get a doctor who guest here into the united states even um, even in the times that Doctor Who wasn't in its glory during the 90s where perhaps PBS wasn't showing it and we had just the Paul McGann movie or the, the uh, Big Finish products, there was, there was no news on a new series. They still managed to find a way to have a Doctor Who guest at their convention every year and, and that's, um, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, because mm-hmm. last time it was uh, Statistics who actually interviewed uh, all goddess, uh, the clip from... Sylvester McCoy, because it was Sylvester yeah. McCoy in United FanCon last mm-hmm. year. Yes, it was. That's uh, that's awesome. A lot of lot of nice people up there in uh, in Massachusetts. We need to get a pop up there one time, Lou. Yeah, I, I mean, I I've, I haven't been there in a while, but it's I, I've been to Boston a few times, and it's a lovely city. And I'm anxious to uh, return back there. The last time Lou was there, he was throwing tea over the side of a ship. <laughs> 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 and mumbling something about the king and his taxes. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. But that's an adventure. That's a story for for another time. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Do we have anything else in the feedback? Uh, I don't think we've got... Have we got any more audio segments I, left? I this? don't think we do um, for this show. Okay, well... In that case, I shall act as the uh, email reader outer. Uh, we've got a few emails here. Open Obviously, up the email have... bag. Indeed. Um, <laughs> I, I just have to say, um, I'm sorry to anybody who we do miss out in the emails. I, I have to apologize for that. But our inboxes are flooded to the brim. Loaded. To be said. <laughs> Loaded, yes, definitely. And I just have to say that anybody who... Um, has emailed us we do we really do appreciate it thank you so much we don't get the chance to respond to everybody or or play everybody's uh, or read out everybody's email on the show but we really do appreciate the emails As please our do send them in email boxes are filled to the brim that don't let that stop you we we still appreciate it <laughs> we yeah, we even absolutely. ran out of service space uh, earlier this week and uh, we had to clear out some space just to um make room for everyone so um it's all good yeah, it is. It is. Anyway, so I've got an email here from, from Michael Reed, who, whose the subject is, I just had to write. Uh, so he said, I love the podcast, and you guys have reignited the Who flame in me that has been buried since a little third-grade version of me first tuned into the snowy PBS showing of episode three of the Sontaran Experiment. Mm. I love the new series and enjoy listening to you guys when I am on the road. I also dabble in a bit of professional wrestling, and I re- read a humorous website called Wrestle Crap All the Time. I read this little <laughs> take on wrestling going to the Sci-Fi Channel, and you may ask why in the world I would make mention of this f- for reason in my first email to you, but you have have to see the image on the bottom of the write-up to see what I mean. The person in it is an older wrestler named Sabu. With that, please let me know if you find this as humorous as I did. And then he gives a link. And he says, looking forward to further shows and maybe contributing a bit as well. 
so that's grand. Thank you. That's from Michael Reed. Cheers, mate. And I'm just clicking on the link now to see what it's all about. Um, <laughs> it's quite good, this live uh, looking at links and so on. Just a sec. He says it's to about halfway down the page. Doctor so. Boo. Doctor Boo, yeah, it must be a wrestler, and he's he's, he's wrestling, wrestling a TARDIS. With the TARDIS. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> interesting, good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, we're seeing this so much, aren't we? We're seeing people emailing in with us and saying thank you so much for for reigniting my passion for for Doctor Who. We, we've talked about it so many times and it's so great that by hearing this podcast people are thinking hey actually yeah the new series is out i should go check it out or just rekindling people's um passion for doctor who i think it's awesome uh, that's yeah um, one of the fantastic thing it's um Podshock. i mean it, it it thrills us to no end to hear that you know um you know we're a bit taken back about it you know it's that we you know that we're able to do that but it's great you know um you know last I, weekend uh lewis will tell you that uh, we when when we recorded episode 42 i believe um i had dinner with some friends who have uh, my wife and i joined another couple who uh just got turned on to doctor who and i was lending them some tapes to watch and um my friend was joking with me about saying that I might be a little late for dinner because we were gonna we were going to try to record Podshock. He said, "Well, tell Lou that um, that you're spreading the faith that you're you know you're you're going out and maybe he'll give you an you know an early dismissal." So um, you know everybody gets everybody's getting on board now and 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 to to be able to go out there and meet new people who are excited to see the show as as a, someone who's been a fan for many many years. To see the excitement, we we relive that early excitement of discovering Doctor Who through other people, through people like you, if you're just coming aboard. And I'm sure many of our listeners who are turning friends and family onto the new show are doing the same thing. That that initial discovery of of every of the history of the show is just fun to watch, and it, and it's great. It's very thrilling to see that so many people are you know are rediscovering their love for the the good Doctor. Absolutely. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Yes. Great minds think alike. Anyway, so we have another email here from Ashley Carrison, and he says, uh, Hi again, guys. It's me, Ashley, again. Thanks for saying about the, the Time Wars. Can you write about the Sci-Fi Channel smegging up the broadcast of Doctor Who? They should it alone and stop cutting clips. I, I don't know if I've, I'm, I, I am reading that right, but I don't know quite what he means. And then he says, James, I heard you call me a female in your last podcast. I listened to you about the Time Wars. I am really a male. You can check my profile on MSN. So I have to explain. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, so sorry about this fella, honestly. Um, but what it is, is that uh, here in the UK, Ashley tends to be a lady's name, so I, I must apologize, mate. That is entirely my fault and, and a cultural difference, I suppose well, you could say. I don't know. So. I mean, I think I would have made the, ma the same mistake, um, actually. No, well, you know, listen, every, there's a lot of unique people out there, so so please forgive us if, you know. Well, we, we make mistakes. Yeah. We're only human. Well, speak Anyways. for yourself. <laughs> Some of us are time lords. <laughs> you're, breaking, you're breaking my hearts. <laughs> and some of us are, are Slovene. 
Uh, only, uh, that explains the gaseous the jokes, then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke. We won't, we yeah. won't go into and that. I, we won't and I thought it was the curry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, moving straight on. He says, uh, now here's my question. I've been looking on the imdb.com website, and that's, of course, the, the Internet Movie Database, uh, to see which actors or actresses will be in the future episodes of, of Doctor Who, of Series 2, of course. And I came across the actor Terry Malloy playing Davros in mm. the end of Series 2 today on the 2nd of June, 2006. They have changed it again to the right cast of the last episode. I want to... Advise, uh, advise, why are people on IMDb keep playing about with casting of the episodes of Series 2? Keep up the good work, Doctor Who Podshock. Now I am listening every week. Yours faithfully, <laughs> I... Ash Kerrison, a.k.a. Return of Outlaw. So I presume that's what his name is on the forum. So cheers, I fella. think I can answer his question very simply. The IMDb, which is the Internet Movie Database, is affectionately known around movie and television circles as the inaccurate movie database. So yeah, I, I mean, um, that, that'll pretty much explain it. We, we should all, I mean, we said it in a previous episode of Podshock that um, they had Terry Malloy listed for Parting the Ways last year as well. And if you've just seen it on the Sci-Fi Channel or if you've seen it, you know, last year or whenever, you know how true and accurate that was. <laughs> yeah. I think that people obviously saw the preview for... Uh, the Dalek Emperor and thought that maybe it was Davros because they didn't uh, watch the We also the don't episode, know, you know. That, how many subscribers have input into IMDb, so there, there's a possibility that things get reported to them, uh, agents or just some, you know, people just like you and I who may uh, just be participating on there, um, that maybe inaccurate information makes its way there. Maybe Terry Malloy's agent is really sharp and somehow gets him <laughs> on these <laughs> listings to, to get him to go to conventions or something. Now, Who knows? Now, we're not saying Terry Malloy won't be in it, but we're not saying he is. We're just saying don't you know take anything you see on IMDb with a grain of salt. Or um... And if it is Terry Malloy's agent, I want his number because that's the man I want representing me. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, how are we doing for time, Lewis, mate? Have we got a chance for a few more emails or just one more? Sure, let's, um, we can do a couple more. Okay, a couple more. Well, we, this is one, an email that we actually received uh, quite a while ago now, which it was back in April, from a chap called Steve. And uh, the re Well, it'll become obvious why we couldn't talk about uh, it until yes, now. Oh, yes, I remember. But he says, hey, guys, first off, great job for the continually giving us a great podcast week after week. I wrote you guys a few weeks back regarding the McGann Eccleston regeneration. Well, that'll be a few months ago now. And uh, how the time war may have been involved. After watching Dalek on the Sci Fi Channel again the other night, I thought about this once more. My theory continues to be that the Doctor was facing a situation similar to the end of the Parting of the Ways, with the Daleks winning more and more victories in the time war. And it appears as though the Time Lords are all but defeated. The Doctor is faced with a situation where he can defeat the Daleks, but will also take down the Time Lords and possibly destroy Gallifrey in the process. Mm -hmm. Another Delta wave, perhaps? He makes his choice and survived, but had to regenerate in order to make it through. Exit Paul McGann, enter Christopher Heckleston. 
Uh, on to my main point. In Dalek, we see how angry and vengeful the Doctor is at the lone Dalek, and despite this, he cannot destroy the Dalek at the end of the episode, after Rose convinces him that uh, otherwise. So this is, of course, uh, uh, spoilers for new listeners, but I think... It, uh, if you've already seen the new series, then it's not going to be that much of a big deal. He says, in parting of the ways, we see the Doctor once again unable to destroy the Daleks, this time with a Delta Wave. Are you a coward or a killer? Relating to this, how the Doctor could possibly end the Time War, how mad, angry, and or determined the Doctor must the Doctor have been at that time to actually destroy the Daleks at the cost of his own planet and people, given what we have seen of his actions or lack thereof in Dalek and the parting of the ways and one could argue his actions in Genesis of the Daleks I can't think of many if any times that we have seen the Doctor so angry as we have at the end of the Dalek episode if you guys can give me your thoughts on this then great if not thanks anyway and keep up the fantastic podcast thanks Steve and he's from Franklin in Massachusetts so yeah cheers Steve and uh, sorry for um, taking our time to get to your email but obviously this is something which we have had in our inboxes for a while but didn't want to talk about because of the spoilers regarding to the parting of the ways Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's a good theory I think it's uh, what he espouses that what may have happened um, could very well have been the case it it does all tie together and fits together with uh, what's established you know, last year and this, and in fact this year as well, because we see a little bit of that in, um, in uh, well, I don't want to give anything away, so I won't say anything more, but we do see a little bit more of that in, um, when we see the Cybermen again. Mm, quite. Ken, what are your thoughts on this theory, mate? Ken? Well, I, I, <laughs> I like it, and, I, and I'm, I'm wondering if Big Finish can lead into this. I've mentioned this before, and a few people have agreed with me, and a few people have disagreed with me, you know, via email, um, as to Big Finish handling the regeneration, and also they, you know, they've got their own thing going with with the Dalek War, and I'm not, I don't own any of the Dalek War um, Big Finishes, but I think they can very easily, if allowed, lead into the Eccleston season if they want to use the the Palm again, um, big finish episodes, and perhaps some of the Dalek episodes, and, and lead into the Time War. And, and I hope they get the chance to do it because I really enjoy the mm-hmm. the big finish stuff. I think that's the only way we'll ever have a chance to delve into it, I, unless they got Paul McGann to return to the current show. And the likelihood of that is slim to none. Not that they not that they couldn't get him, and not that he wouldn't want to do it. But the the danger is always that the old doctor overshadows the new doctor if if mm. you follow what i'm saying it, mm. it, it's we haven't had any flashbacks yet to the time war will we this season probably not how you know is that something on deck for season 3 season 4 who knows i have you know mm. russell t davies has made no mention of it so. yeah well mm. the the only danger with the big finish doing it is that and i hope you know if they may see it as closing the door than on the eighth doctor if they to do if they were to do a regeneration story now since they don't have the right to do any stories with uh with the new material with you know they only have up to uh the eighth doctor to to work with paul mcgann 
um, does that close the door, shut the door on Paul McCann stories if they do a regeneration story? Or do they, I mean, obviously they can do other well, stories, but it have to take place before that regeneration story. I would hope that they take their influence from the new show and do a, not just one story, but do a whole story arc leading up to that and make that the big selling point. And, you know, from a marketing point of view, if they did a series of eight or 10 or 12 Paul McGann or, and or Dalek stories leading up to this regeneration, fans would want to buy them all to, to hear the story and it's, you know, it's progression to this, this climax. So I think it's something they they could use to market the big finish products. I agree with you, Lou. There's a danger that, well, people would consider the Paul McGann stuff then to be the door to be closed on McGann material. I, I don't, I don't want, I agree with you to a certain degree, but not a hundred percent because we had John Pertwee do those audio adventures in the nineties. So who's to say you can't go back and figure out a way to do another? Well, audio of course with? they can always take you know do more Paul McGann stories that take place before the regeneration and before that story arc you know takes place. You know, just like you know, we just like we're seeing already stories um, with Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy and um, you know these and Peter Davison. They've all taken place. You know, they've all regenerated. So we've all seen that. You know. On television, so obviously it's just different story, different timelines that they can explore. Mm. But we Fine. we do know that Russell T Davies has um, vote has um, verbally or um, expressed uh, to the media that he doesn't have any intentions of doing a multi doctor story at, at this time. You know, so yeah. Well, I can fully appreciate. Yeah, that. I mean. I th- I mean, originally, we didn't get our first multi-doctor story until 10 years into the series. So, I mean, let's give, you know, it's probably going to be some time before. It's a great novelty, but the danger, the the thing about the three doctors when when Pertwee, when, you know, it came along on the 10th anniversary, Pertwee was well-established as the current doctor, and he was strong enough to hold his own uh, and not be overshadowed by uh, the two past doctors. And also... He had been on the show at, as long, if not longer, than his, pre, his predecessors. Uh, the current show, if another doctor came aboard, if a Peter Davison or um, Tom Baker or any of the other doctors came aboard with David Tennant right now, they would overshadow him. And that's unfair to the current actor playing the doctor. He needs to establish himself his, yeah. himself as the doctor before you can do multi-doctor stories. That's what, actually, if you think about the two doctors, Colin Baker was only in the part for less than a year when Patrick Troughton steps in. You know, and to his credit, Patrick Troughton, you know, went out of his way to not overshadow um, Colin Baker, but it's just inevitable. Everybody's excited mm-hmm. that the old doctor has returned. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think there's a danger in it, and I think that's why Russell T. Davies has come out and said we're just not doing it. Yeah, and I think that is very much, that that's one of the major reasons. Another reason, and it might sound a bit pretentious of me to say this, um, but when I was speaking to, to Colin Baker and those of you who've seen the video interview, mm-hmm. or caught the, yeah, the, the, the aftershock. aftershock, yes, we we did talk about this, mm-hmm. and of course he he did rightly so say that a lot. A lot of the doctors now uh, don't look like, like they did yeah. when they were a lot younger, and so it wouldn't really make as much it, sense, it I suppose. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be great, I think, 
if they could have them in a cameo role, just just playing somebody different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, that would be awesome. That would be great. Um, but I think quite rightly they they you know they don't want to overshadow people. I don't think it's well, the right time, and I don't think we're going to see that regeneration. The the uh, the fan created rumor of Tom Baker perhaps playing the master. That's see, I I have a a friend who's a, a big James Bond fan, and he always said that it would be great for Sean Connery to be in a new Bond film as the adversary, as the bad guy, being that he doesn't look the way, you know, he, he now he's an older man with, with white hair and sometimes a beard and stuff. He can very easily play the, um, the megalomaniac that the new Bond is going up against. And then you get the added um, interest of having the classic Bond with the new Bond. You know, there's a sort of, there's something to be played on and marketed there. I think the same thing of the new Doctor Who is that if you have an old uh, a, a former actor from the show come aboard, perhaps have them play a different character. It was nice that Elizabeth Sladen came in and played Sarah Jane, but wouldn't it be great if the older Tom Baker, who doesn't look like Tom Baker when he was on the show, you know, now he's got shorter hair and it's white and he's, you know, is an older man now. What if he played a bad guy? What if he played the schoolmaster or the master or, uh, you know, the heavy? It would be fun. Mm, it would be. I, 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 I'm, I think there's possibility to do that, and uh, I'm, I'm, I hope so. It would, it would be. Uh, very I mean, perhaps I'm contradicting myself kind of, already by saying, "Well, wouldn't that person overshadow it?" It yes might be no, distracting, uh, though. It could be distracting. Cause yes, it could be distracting. I agree. So, but it would be would- fun. <laughs> oh, um, no, no uh, arguments from me, mate. None at all. Not at all. I'd, uh, I, I would look forward to seeing such an episode if Tom Baker decided to come back or whatever. But I, all I'm saying is that I, I don't think that at the t- uh, right now we're ever going to see um, Paul McGann regenerate into the Ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston. But I think that the I agree. There's every possibility they could do it in a big finish audio because. Clearly, Paul McGann is is willing. Um, I don't think Christopher Eccleston, that would be his sort of thing. Um, But definitely Paul McGann would do it, and I I think that would be very interesting. uh, I think the theory is is sound. The theory is sound. If they did do it, they would have to do it without Christopher Eccleston. It's not because of Christopher Eccleston, but just because they don't have the the rights. The BBC hasn't issued them rights to use the Ninth Doctor or or Tenth Doctor. They they only have up to the to the eighth to work with hmm. well also I, I just personally i can't see christopher eccleston doing it because i don't think really that's his sort of style um i think that um you know primarily he did he did doctor who because russell t davis wrote mm-hmm. it and because yeah. he had a, such a good relationship with russell and approached mm-hmm. russell to do it you know i, I think if if um you know if it had been if if Russell hadn't been involved in Doctor Who, I don't think Christopher Eccleston would have been in the part or would have played yeah. Doctor Who. He wouldn't have mm-hmm. done it because you know it was purely because Russell was on the show. So um, you know, I, I I think I don't think it's his kind of bag, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean by that. Yeah. Um, but there we are, nonetheless. Uh, a sound theory and it definitely has led to some very interesting a very interesting discussion. Alrighty. So, does that wrap it up? I think that wraps it up, yeah. 
Good, good stuff. Another fantastic show. Well, um, come back again and uh, for another episode of Doctor Podshock, and we'll be reviewing them. Well, I don't know if it'll be next episode, but soon we'll be reviewing the Impossible Planet and the Sa- Satan's Pit, right? Yeah, yes, and thing. don't forget to send in those emails or letters or telephone calls to the Sci-Fi Channel saying, uh, "Let's see season two. You left us hanging." Yeah, uh, definitely, and uh, I I think that's so worthwhile and so valuable and. You know, even as a British listener who's who's watching series two, I feel for you American chaps who having to have even you know those of you who still watch it, uh, download it from uh, other means, shall we say? Um, you know, because it's such a great experience to sit down in front of the television with your mates and watch it or with your family. You know, it's uh, it's not quite the same huddled round a computer screen, but there we are. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so um, I guess we're going to say our, <clears throat> our goodbyes and um, take care and cheers and see you next and time. we'll be back again next week. <laughs> Bye, Duggan. Goodbye, Duggan. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run GallifreyanEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Goodbye. It's good, isn't it? Hmm?